Hey, good morning. Welcome to Brian. We want to extend a welcome to all those watching by simulcast. All of our campuses, uh, Bainbridge, Cincinnatus, and Front Street are watching us by simulcast. So welcome. And uh, we want to extend a, a, a warm welcome to our online followers as well. Hey, we uh, just finished up a message series last week called Grace Bomb. And we hope that that is something that you've established now as a, a pattern, a, a practice. Uh, it's, it's not something that just ends because we, we finished the sermon series last week. Um, hopefully that's a practice that you can continue to do. Um, doing acts of love and kindness uh, for the purpose of pointing people to Jesus. That's what Grace Bombs are all about. We're going to continue to have the uh, reload stations out in the lobbies at all of our campus. Uh, uh, please continue uh, to Grace Bomb people uh, as a result of that um, series. Uh, but we are moving into a new series, uh, Valuables, Embracing the Five Uncommon Attitudes. And you'll, you'll see as we go along through this, that it actually is our five core values here at Berean Bible Church. It's something that, if you want to look ahead, we actually have that posted on our website. It's, uh, uh, you might hear us sometimes talk about our DNA. It really is it's, it's the bottom line, what drives us and how we do ministry here at, at Berean Bible Church. But there's a very personal application to each one of these as well. Let's jump into our message, okay? So we're talking about the core values. What, what are the things that, that drive our church? But you know, what are the things that should be driving us as individuals um, to contribute to what it is that God wants to do through the local church? Now, before we get into the actual main passage of this, I want to I, I talk about a, a certain theological concept. So, I want you to think, just picture in your mind, when I say the word priests, what, what do you think of? What do you see, what do you picture in your mind when I say priest? Now, for many people, it's going to be this, right? It's, whether it's you know, Greek Orthodox or Episcopalian or whatever, like we, we picture somebody in robes and a, a big gold crown or whatever, right? When, when we think about the word priests. Or how about this word? What do you think about, what do you picture in your mind when you hear the word minister? Minister. Now maybe, maybe this is what comes to your mind, right? You think pastors, okay? So just in case you don't know who this is, this is Justin Babyface Bloor. This is Chuckity Chuck Chuck Chuck. And then this guy, I don't know what's going on there, but he's the only, he's the outcast, the only one that's not wearing a CWE shirt. Um, and then I, you know, I don't know, this is an illustration, I'm sure, but it looks like I want a snacky snack or something going on there in the middle of the message. But that's, so, you know, so sometimes when we hear the word minister, why well, we think reverend or pastor, right? Well, I want to show you from God's word that that's a very inaccurate perception. So the first passage I want to show you is in, in Hebrews. In Hebrews, it says this. Under the Old Covenant, it's talking about the Old Testament. Under the Old Covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. And now the book of Hebrews, the theme of the entire book of Hebrews is Jesus 
is better. And it goes through and it talks about the Old Testament priest, the Old Testament law, the Old Testament sacrifices, and how they were insufficient. But God, through his son Jesus Christ, gave us an offering that is better than the sin offering. It's a sufficient offering. It's a once and for all offering. And he talks about the role of the priest and and that the Old Testament role of the priest is no longer necessary, that Jesus fulfilled that responsibility. He's the high priest. He's the intercessor between God and man. And all of those things, there's just a number of comparisons of the old versus the new. Well, Paul talks about the same thing. He talks about the old covenant and the new covenant. It says that he has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. This is a covenant not of written laws, like the old covenant, but of the spirit. The old written covenant ends in death. But under the new covenant, the spirit gives life. And now there's something really interesting in the way he phrased this, right? He enabled us. Like he's not talking about the apostles. He's not talking about uh, appointed Pharisees or Sadducees. He's saying he enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. You, if you are a Jesus follower, are a minister. It's not just the, the, the people that have the title of pastor or reverend. It's, it's all of us. We are all ministers. In fact, you need to point to the person next to you and just say, you're a minister, all right? Can you do that with me? You're a minister. So we're all, we're all ministers of the gospel, of this new covenant. And also, here's, here's the way Peter described it. He said, you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. They had in their mind this, the Old Testament image of a building where God temporarily dwelled. Now he's, Peter's saying to them, no, no, it's not, it's not a physical building. It's the people. And it's Jesus' followers, you are the living stones that God's building into a spiritual temple. And what's more, you are his holy priests. In fact, there's a, a couple of verses later that Peter says that we as collective, we, all of us that are Jesus' followers, together the body of Christ, we are a royal priesthood. So you are ministers and you are priests. You don't need a priest to intercede for you. You don't need another man to intercede between you and God. You have direct access to God through Jesus Christ. You are priests. So I say all that, we talk about that, that that's a theological principle called the priesthood of all believers. There's an acronym for Baptist theology, Baptist distinctives, and P, B-A-P, is priesthood of all believers. Now, we're not a Baptist church. We're a non-denominational church. But, but that, that theology is something that we believe strongly in. The priesthood of all believers. So, all right, so the theology lesson is done. But the theology lesson is important because that lays the foundation of everything else that we're going to talk about. Recently, I had an opportunity to speak to a group of uh, college-age and career-age young people. 
there's a, a great um, movement going on in our community that was actually started by a young lady here in our church called Now. It's a night of worship, and they do, I think it's the second Saturday of every month they, they get together. And I had an opportunity to speak to them last month. And one of the things that um, really was uh, on my heart to share with them was to talk about legacy. And now that sounds like an OG kind of topic, you know, the type of thing that you would, you know, talk to a, a men's businessman group or a retired, you know, bunch of people or whatever. But what I challenged them was about legacy, not just personal legacy is what you do with your wealth, but spiritual legacy. And Scripture talks a lot about generations. What does one generation What's their spiritual legacy? What do they leave for the next generation? And so I just want to make a couple observations that, uh, that I made with them to talk about what are, what are some of the generational spiritual legacies that we have. Now, this is based on my experience. Uh, there's some generalization to this, but my experience in, in, in viewing the church in America, the generation that I followed uh, was a generation that was uh, great at, at starting institutions. They, they started Bible colleges. They started Christian schools. Um, they, they started Christian universities. They were great at, at, at building uh, these tremendous uh, places of influence, no doubt, and, had, and they have a great legacy as a result of that. But one of the legacies that I feel like that generation left my generation is also kind of a, a very pharisaical judgmental kind of church, you know, kind of um, arguing over minor theological uh, issues and debates. Just, again, my personal experience, I went to a Christian school that actually split because the, the principal of the school was a four-point Calvinist, but the, the pastor of the host church was a five-point Calvinist, so the four-point Calvinist school administrator went and started his own Christian school because he didn't want to work with that five-point Calvinist. And you kind of go, really? Like, that's what we're going to separate over? But honestly, that was kind of the mentality of, of, that, of that generation. And one of the things that was part of that, because you know, the, the push to start Bible colleges and Christian schools and, and the emphasis on Sunday school, it was this. They, they, were, they were a people-educating church. Now, don't get me wrong. There's, there is a, a, a part of this that we should be doing. We absolutely should be teaching people Bible uh, principles. We should be teaching people theology uh, and those types of things. But when you put so much emphasis on that, that all you're talking about is Bible knowledge all you're doing is educating people, then you've got some really, uh, really great Bible trivia people that aren't necessarily living out the things that they're learning. And again, it's been my experience that some of the grouchiest Christians that I've met were extremely knowledgeable about the Bible, but man, you couldn't tell by the way they lived. So the next question is, okay, well, what about our generation? What, what kind of legacy is going to be said about our generation? What are we passing on? And I would say that one of the challenges in the church today, we, we have, in America, we've had 
uh, a lot of uh, growth. We've, we, there, there are some mainline denominations that are shrinking, but there are churches like ours that are growing and, and having a tremendous impact on the gospel. But I would think that one of the things that as generations look back on our generation and what has happened in America today, one of the things that they're going to say is, we, we were really focused on the mega church. We were all about trying to build the biggest and the best. And one of the ways in which the church in America has done that today is by entertainment. You see, the, the, the description would be that we are a people entertaining church. Now listen, I'm not talking about Berean. In fact, there, you know, there are some people in our general area that will look at Berean and go, oh, we're a mega church. <laughs> uh, that makes me laugh. Uh, because the, the church that I attended in Houston was 900 people, and we were a small church, okay? So, uh, and, and, and honestly, this fits into the philosophy of what we're talking about here at Berean, because it, the reason why we're planting campuses is we're, we're not trying to build green into a 2,000-people uh, type of, uh, of worship center, right? We're trying to take the gospel to where people are at and in communities where people can v- invite their friends to their local campus. So we are not, we are not a megachurch, and that is not our goal. But I say that to, to say the megachurch is kind of America's infatuation with entertainment. And I think future generations are going to look back and say, Man, did they, did they have that wrong? So then you say, well, what's, what's the alternatives? And, and, and some people might say, well, okay, we should be a people-engaging church. And I think there's some truth to that. We, the things that we do, the music that we use, the illustrations, the, the visuals, all those things, we want to engage people. We want people to come in the doors that have never heard about Jesus before. We want people to come in and go, wow, this is not like church like I thought it was. Uh, this isn't the kind of church I grew up in. That, those, those are true. But if that's the core value of what we're doing, I think it misses the biblical mandate. And so join me in Ephesians chapter 4 because we are going to talk about that biblical mandate. What is it? that the church should be doing. It's obvious that, that we shouldn't be so focused on educating that people don't know how to live it out. Right? We should be educating people. It's definitely true that we should be engaging people, but I think there's a lot more to it than that. So in Ephesians chapter 4, page 944, if you're using a chair Bible, and, and again, those Bibles are there for you to take. They're our gift to you. But Ephesians chapter 4, we're jumping in the the middle of the passage in verse 11, and it says this, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Now I just want to pause for a second there and say, listen, we can debate, uh, just like my my uh, school superintendent, my school administrator and pastor, you know, fought over uh, four you know, the four points of Calvinism versus the five, we can debate over whether there's sign gifts and whether those gifts continue for today, whether there's apostles today. We can debate all of that. But the bottom line is this. We can agree on the fact that God has gifted certain individuals with abilities to help the church, right? We're, we, all, we all have spiritual gifts. 
And these particular gifts that are listed here are responsible for something. It says in verse 12 that their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. We are to, we are to be equipped as God's people. I like the way the ESV says it. It says this, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Right? We, are, we are all ministers. We are all supposed to be doing ministry. And the role of the church is to equip us to do that. Not educate us, although education is good. Not engaging, although engaging is good. Right? It doesn't, but it says the responsibility is to equip God's people. And so if there's a, a, a principle that we're going to start with to talk about what is the church supposed to do, how, what's the role of the church, and how do we contribute to that, we need to be a people-equipping church. We need to be not just educating people, but helping people the, show them the how and the why so that it's a practical experience. What is it that we should be accomplishing as an individual, as a Jesus follower, but as a church as well. And I think you, you saw that at a couple of our campuses, uh, like we did here at Green. We had a baby dedication earlier in the service. And you heard Ron talk about the, the fact that uh, we want to partner with parents. Right? It's not, our, our kids' ministry is designed so that we're partnering with parents. So it's not the kids' ministry that's educating our children. It's the kids' ministries that is working with parents to equip them to equip their children. Right? And, that, and, and you can see that philosophy when you think about a lot of the things that we do here at Berean. We want to train people uh, to become connect group leaders. We want to equip them to be leaders so that they can equip other believers. We, we talk about the growth process. It's equipping people. And, and then we want them to turn around and mentor somebody else, right? Equipping someone else. The design of the church and the commitment that we need to have is that we are a people-equipping church. But there's more to this. In fact, verses, it goes on. It not only gives us the, the why, but the how. In verse 13 and 14, it says, This will continue, equipping people will continue, until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of our God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Maturity. We will be mature in the Lord. Now listen, don't mistake maturity for age. Just because you're old doesn't mean you're mature. I've met some incredibly immature old people. And I've met some incredibly mature young people. Right? Maturity, as it's described here in this passage is becoming more and more like Jesus, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That is maturity. And in verse 14, it gives us kind of a contrast. Okay, here's maturity, but also here's what's immature. So we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. So in other words, yes, there is some education, 
but there is also an equipping, an ability to discern and distinguish God's word. So that if somebody comes up here and preaches something that isn't in alignment with God's word, you have the ability to distinguish that. Right? We need to be equipping one another to have that ability so that we're not spiritually immature. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies that are so clever they sound like the truth. Man, there's, there's some things out there, there's some preaching out there on YouTube and, and other places that, that you listen to it and you go, man, there's like 99% truth to that. But that 1% ruins it all. And being able to discern, that's maturity, being able to discern that 1%. So here's the thing. If we are individually building one another up, equipping one another to be mature, here's what the result is. You see, a mature me makes a stronger we. And if we can say that all individually, if we, can, if we, if we are committed to becoming a mature me, then that has an impact on the entire body of Christ and the local church to be able to say, okay, the more mature believers that we have, the stronger we are as a body of believers. A mature me makes a stronger we. Maturity. That, that is, that's the how and the why of, how, of, of people equipping. Why does the church need to be people equipping? Because we're trying to develop mature Jesus followers, people that are more and more like Jesus every day. But the passage goes further. It says in verse 15, in fact, let me read it from the ESV. It says this, that speaking of the truth in love, we are to grow up, Maturity, right? We're to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You see, it's not the role of the pastor, the minister, the priest to, to help the body grow. It's we are, we're helping each other. We're working together. And when we are equipped, when we each are equipped and we're each playing our role, then the body builds itself up. The church builds itself up. Berean builds itself up. I, I can't help but think as far as, you know, talking about everybody having a, a, a different, a different uh, role and a different responsibility and being joined together. I, it's, it's World Series time. It's so weird that it's, you know, November. Uh, you know, it used to be Mr., you know, Reggie Jackson was Mr. October, and now they got to come up with like a Mr. November. But the World Series is going on, and uh, my Houston Astros, yeah, they're in it. Uh, but, you know, when you think about the, 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 the role of baseball players, right? Everybody has a different position. Now, there are some players that are referred to as utility players that can kind of play two or three positions. But generally, a player, by the time they reach that level of professionalism, they're, they're pigeonholed into one position. They're a first baseman, they're a right fielder, they're a shortstop or whatever. And especially when it comes to things like starting pitching, 
Like the, the pitchers that are in the major leagues today, like almost all of them throw, you know, high 90s uh, fastball, 90 mile an hour fastball or higher. And they, they throw a curveball that breaks, you know, two feet. They, they have uh, multiple pitches that they throw. And if you've ever seen a game where there's been like a crazy blowout where, you know, the score's like 15 to 3, sometimes what they'll do to save their, their, their regular pitchers is they'll bring, a, bring in a position player to pitch. Have you ever seen this? And so they bring in this position player, and even though they're a really good outfielder, they come in and they throw like a 45-mile-an-hour like lob pitch to, right, to get it over the plate. I feel like that's kind of an example of people playing out of position. There are some people here at Berean that that have no role. They're 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 just here, kind of observing and and absorbing, and and you know that's okay for a while. But at some point, you need to jump into the game, and we need to find out what position, what role you need to play. There are some people that are maybe playing out of position. that are maybe doing something out of necessity because you're not stepping in and filling your role. They're being asked to do something outside of their role. You see, it's all of us being joined together and all of us contributing and being part of the body that helps us to equip each other and helps us to grow. See, that's, that is what Scripture is talking about when it's talking about how the church should function. And so it's not just a question of maturity, but it's a question of synergy. You know, that the difference between synergy and energy. Energy is of itself, but synergy is when you bring things together and, and the total is greater than the sum. In other words, 2 plus 2 plus 2 doesn't equal 6, it equals 7. And as we come together as a body of believers and use the giftedness and, and, and work together to equip one another and build one another up, the church grows because we're stronger together than we are alone. We need to come together. We need to contribute. We need to build one another up. Be willing to be equipped by others and be willing to equip others. And really, I think it boils down to this. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Oftentimes, that, that passage is misquoted and, and misapplied in the sense that we're supposed to go and be missionaries to foreign countries and uh, evangelize. We're supposed to go and, and make Jesus followers. But that isn't what the passage says. That passage says that we're in our going, we're supposed to be making disciples. See, it's more than just introducing people to Jesus. It's equipping them to be a, a better Jesus follower every day. And so that really boils down to this. Our, our purpose, the reason God has left us here on this earth, is that we are to be disciples who make disciples. It's our goal. It's our purpose. It's what, it's what God has designed us for individually as well as a church, is reproducing, 
equipping others, not just introducing people to Jesus, but walking the Christian life alongside of them and helping them to grow as a believer. And in that process, you know what? We're going to grow as Jesus followers as well. Disciples who make disciples. That's what a people equipping church is all about. And it doesn't matter whether you're here in Green, Bainbridge, Cincinnati, Front Street, or in Florida like I'm going to be. <laughs> we all, we all should be disciples who make disciples. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? For just a moment, I want to speak to those that have not made a decision yet to be a Jesus follower because a lot of this that we talked about today is designed for somebody that has already made that commitment. But if you have never made that commitment, listen, there is a faith family here that wants to bring you in and wants you to feel belonged, like you belong and, and be a part of what God is doing. And there are people here in this church that want to equip you to be a better Jesus follower. But you've got to make that first step. God sent his son to die on the cross for your sins. We talked about the book of Hebrews and Jesus is better. Jesus fulfilled all of the Old Testament pictures, whether it be the priest or the sacrifice or, or, or the law. All of that stuff was fulfilled through Jesus Christ. He lived a perfect life he was God and man. And he gave his life, he shed his blood to cover your sin, to cover my sin, so that we could have a restored relationship with God. And so if you've never made that decision, we, we want to welcome you into the faith family. We want you to make that decision and join us in this journey of faith together. But those that have made that decision, you hear us talk about it all the time more and better Jesus followers. People equipping church. A people equipping church will be focused on making more and better Jesus followers. The question is, are you playing your role? You know, if you, if you have an interest in becoming equipped, you, you, you feel like you're not getting the equipping that you need, Hey, that's what a connection card is for. It's not just an introduction for new people. Fill out one of those cards and tell us, hey, I want to get equipped. Or maybe there's some of you that you're, you're pretty spiritually mature, but you, just, you haven't been playing a role. Hey, fill out a card and say, I want to equip others. But wherever you're at, the commitment that we need to make as a body of believers on an individual basis is to contribute to what we're trying to do on a church-wide basis. Equip people to become better Jesus followers. What's your role? Join me in prayer, would you? Our gracious God, we thank you for your word and the, the guidance and direction and understanding that we can get from it. God, we thank you for the examples of, of people before us that have equipped other believers. God, we thank you for the people that have poured into each of us. And God, help us to turn around and do that with others. Help us to equip others to become 
better Jesus followers. Help each one of us to make that commitment. We want to become more and more like your son, Jesus Christ, each and every day. God, help us in that journey through your Holy Spirit. And I pray this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen.